Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Steph Curry, to my Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, okay you're doing, doing good? All right, well, our very own Draymond Green, picking up the third Ooh. mic. That's Eric Ronneback. Draymond. Eric, have you kicked anyone in the nuts today? No, uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I, I was thinking, I'm like, am I going to be Clay Thompson? Or am I gonna, oh, I'm going to be Draymond Green. You had to know. You had to know that you were going to be the the hateable one. Yes, the hateable one himself. If he's trying to, if he's trying to knock you, he's not going to pick a former Wazoo player to do this it. This is true. This yeah. is very true. And also, no, you do not, you do not smoke enough pot to be Draymond Green, <laughs> Eric. Let's be, let's be honest. That that man smokes a lot of pots. Well, you got to go with what you love. His three point percentage on the year. Point four two zero. All right, so let's continue on. That's a, that's a true fact, by the way. Um, let's uh, let's go to the Seahawks news. Seahawks this week have been busy, busy with uh, hitting the free agencies. Let's start off with this. We signed DJ Fluker. We signed an offensive lineman, gentlemen. It's finally happened. We've been waiting for it for three years. So long. We signed an offensive lineman, and boy. It's another 2013 NFL first round draft cast off. We're uh, we're getting them all, aren't we? Yeah, we 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 go from uh, go from Jokel to uh, to now we got Fluker, just all the guys. Uh, Deion Jordan, all the guys. The Mingo, yeah, Barbecue's Mingo, like all these guys that just uh, got cast off by the 2013 draft. Which, when you look back at that draft, is a shit show. The best quarterback out of that draft, <laughs> Geno Smith, probably. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it is Who's a, worse than Geno Smith. That draft is a disaster, Eric. Geno Smith had three thousand passing yards his rookie season. Thank you very much. Okay, no, yeah. take that, that. That um that puts him you know way way up there. He only took two punches to the face from former teammates. Um, Wasn't there a later round quarterback that was better? Uh, or, is, okay. or is it Anybody. just all bad? Looking at uh, pro bowlers on here, uh, the best player in this draft by far, DeAndre Hopkins. He got picked. At 27th in the first round, uh, Seahawks didn't have a shot at him. So don't worry, Seahawks fans. Uh, we we didn't uh, we didn't have a chance. Oh yeah, we did. We traded out of the 25th spot. So get mad, get real <laughs> mad. Who did we pick up in that one? In this draft, we traded out of the first round with uh, we was... traded with the Vikings. They picked Xavier Rhodes, who actually is real good. Oh, that was Percy Harvin. And yeah, we got Percy Harvin. So oh, that matches the rest of the draft. Le'Veon Bell was picked in the second round of this draft. Um, Eddie Lacy was picked in the second round of this draft. One of those players was good. Seahawks picked Christian Michael in the second round of this draft. Oh, uh, in the third round, players of note, Tyron Matthew, Keenan Allen. This is now the 2013 Draft Review Podcast. Um, no quarterbacks have made the Pro Bowl from this draft, Kevin. I can tell you that. We're just doing cold takes here, really folks. Fast. Cold takes. So, so, so anyway, uh, <laughs> reviewing back on this draft, though, the first round is not great. It's not super good. The... We have all the guys that are in this draft now. Uh, what what do you think, Kevin? How do you feel about DJ Fluker? So uh, the thing I like about the DJ Fluker signing, I'm assuming, uh, so at the time of this recording, we don't have the financials on it, but it appears to be a one-year deal. If it's something like the one-year, three million deal they did with the Giants, I like it. That's a low-cost um, option for a guy who basically sets the floor. He's going to play right guard or right tackle. He's going to be pretty average. And so it just kind of it means that that's one spot on the offensive line that can't just be like a gaping hole. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Um, the coach knows him. Uh, he Solari was the offensive line coach for the Giants when they signed DJ Fluker. The coach knows him. Uh, San Diego. He he started out at right tackle and was was decent actually. Looking at the the PFF stats and stuff, he gave up a lot of sacks. Well, he was but, a right tackle in college too. But was surprisingly like okay. They moved him to guard. He got worse. So I'm not sure what uh, what about playing guard made him slightly worse and where he'll. I'm not sure where he'll land on our team either, considering we don't have a right tackle or a right guard really that I feel super confident about. So at this point, I would have. I expect this guy to push a Fetty for starting for starting time. Uh, he's he's there to to push a Fetty to play right tackle or to play right guard to push Posich to play right tackle or right guard. Um, that those guys are all going to be at war to try to get the, to win those jobs. Remember when we had three guys battling out for the guard position last year? Yep, that it seems exactly like what we're doing this year, maybe with better contestants. Well, and this is pre-draft too, and don't be surprised if we spend you know an earlier round pick on an offensive lineman that's an area of need and it's an area of kind of depth in this draft don't be surprised that's where our fourth round pick goes or if we end up trading back don't be surprised there's a pick somewhere in there 
It is an area of need, and I feel like the fan base would be really pissed if we didn't go offensive line higher in this draft. Yeah, the the 18th pick, the interesting offensive linemen that me and Kevin have been talking about. I mean, Isaiah Wynn would, could be around at that point. He, he's almost for sure will he, be. He's an interesting player that could be around. Um, who's offensive tackle for for the Notre Dame, Kevin? Uh, Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey could be around at that point. Connor Williams from Texas. Um, those are the players of interest. Uh, the why can't I ever think of names when I'm actually doing the podcast? Only when I'm not doing the podcast. It's so annoying. Uh, the other, uh, the guard for Notre Dame. You're talking about Quentin Nelson from he Notre will, Dame. He'll be gone. If he's still there, somebody should get fired. I think that, that we should trade up and try to get him. If he's like still, if he's still there around 10, that's the, like one of the few guys in the whole draft. I would say like, you can sell you. can sell the farm a bit to get this guy. He's that good. When we get to NFL news, I have a fun theory that I want to go. I want to go through with you yeah. um, for what might happen in the draft. The draft. The draft already got crazy. There's already a huge draft trade. So, yep. uh, Seahawks also signed Barcavius Mingo. I think we recorded late last we, week, so we did catch this right as it was happening. Yeah, we did uh, two years, six point eight mil. Yeah, contract details came out two day, two years, six point eight million dollars. Um, interesting Mingo thing. Uh, basically, the. The Seahawks have turned the money from Richard Sherman into four players. Uh, they re-signed Coleman, they re-signed McDougal, they re-signed Deion Jordan, and they they signed Barkevius Mingo. And there's a good chance that all of these guys will start at the beginning of next year. Maybe not Coleman. Coleman's a slot guy, but but the other three. Honestly, in today's NFL, if you're a slot corner, you're a starter. Yeah. So those guys are all like starter-ish players. Um, I think that. At the end of the day, like if that's the choice we had to make was have these four guys or have just Richard Sherman coming off an Achilles injury, I'd probably take the four guys. Um, Gian Jordan looks like he's turning the corner and becoming a real legitimate professional athlete. Bradley McDougal can cover up both sent, both safety spots in an admirable way and, and it'll give Cam time to get healthy. Uh, I like Justin Coleman as a slot corner. I think he's really terrific in that role. And uh, Barkevius Mingo is a good fit for us. He's basically everything Bruce Irvin was when we had Bruce Irvin before, but maybe even a little bit more raw talent, if that's possible. And I want to talk a little bit more about Justin Coleman. So uh, Pro Football Focus recently had an article that was really interesting, um, talking about two things when it comes to slot corners. The first thing is that slot corners provide a lot more value over the last half decade than they had prior to that to the point now where an interior defensive back provides a value at the same level as an outside corner when you're talking about roster construction the other thing that's really uh, interesting was they found that players that have the skill set to excel as an interior defensive back so a slot corner or a nickel back are uh, that skill set tends to be more stable than outside corners, which makes sense. Uh, if you play in the slot, then a lot of the negative plays tend to be those like dink and dunk plays. So if you defend those well, you tend to do well. Whereas if you play on the outside, you're more likely to give up a big play, which means that your stats from year to year can vary a lot. So all that's a way of saying that resetting Justin Coleman for a reasonable deal, $2.8 million, is important because he excelled in that position last year, and statistics and trends tend to tell us that's going to be stable. We have a position that we feel that we have an above-average player at going into next year now, too. So that's just another place that we don't have to worry about filling in. So with a lot of shakeups in our defensive backs, um, that's a stability that we need. Yeah, so um, right now we're at a point in free agency where there's just not that many guys left, right? So the Seahawks have put a significant effort into trying to get Nadam Kangsu. He still has not signed. Uh, there's rumors going around that he's going to be with this team or that team, but there's nothing is no pens have been put to paper yet. Um, some other guys of note that we the Seahawks could be in on. Um, there's a number of cornerbacks who are, I I find to be mildly interesting. They're still available. EJ Gain, Bashad Beeland failed his physical with uh, Carolina. That could be really interesting. So yeah. I mean, bringing him in on a veteran minimum deal. Like I really like Bashad Breland. Uh and even if he's hurt, you know, give him time to get healthy. <laughs> like I'm not. Dom, uh, there's Dominique Rogers, Crow Marti. There's a. Uh, Luke Jokel is still available, which, to be honest, bringing back Luke Jokel for close to the veteran minimum is something I would be totally down with at this point. And depending on what Cameron Fleming's being offered, he's another like kind of bang average offensive lineman to be interested in. And then there's a couple wide receivers: Marcus Wheaton, uh, Jeremy Macklin, 
Uh, is there any other wide receivers left you were interested in, Kevin? Well, Terrell P- Pryor is still out there, yeah. and he's an interesting player, but I think he's just going to get too much. Feels like everyone's buying low right oh, now. Oh, Alan Hearns got cut too. Yep, but he's got a really hot, hot market. Yeah, well, yeah, he's coming on to like a, a wide receiver market that's already been super hot as clearly the best player out there. Um, people, okay, one name I see pop up every once in a while on like Seahawks Twitter or something is like, why aren't we going after Jordan Matthews? Let me tell you something about Jordan Matthews is he plays most of his plays in the slot. Or at least he he's best in the slot. Yeah, and we already have our slot wide receiver. His name we is Doug Baldwin. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of Doug Baldwin, but he's pretty fucking good. So, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, good, I'm good with just sticking with Doug Baldwin and not pushing him to the outside to get Jordan Matthews. Uh, like that's a, that's kind of a like, we don't need any more slot wide receivers. We need guys who can clearly play on the outside. We it's, did pick up an outside guy on a budget deal. Uh, we picked up Jerome Brown, who played with Arizona. Right. He runs really fast in a straight line. Uh, he's 6'2". He's definitely an outside receiver. Um, his skill set is limited. Yeah, he doesn't. So he's a rotational guy. I think he's really there to push on Amara Darbo. Sure, yeah, I agree with that. Like he's, I don't think that he has a good chance to be the day one starter, but... It's possible, I guess. I don't know. This 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 wide receiver group is looking pretty thin. Did you know that they moved Trayvon Boykin over to the wide receiver part of uh, the depth chart and for the for like the preseason? Yeah. Uh, no. So that's that's a thing that's happening. So you, I'm kind of excited about that. I want to see how that works out. Yeah, I do want to bring up with Jerome Brown. Uh, so last year, we all know the quarterback situation was less than ideal in Arizona. He had 31 receptions for 477 yards and four touchdowns. His counting stats were pretty decent. His efficiency stats were kind of 50-50. Um, he that seems because like a of bad quarterbacking, Kevin. It could part. It could be partially due to bad quarterbacking, but he's just a guy. Like I think he's considered more of a deep ball threat just because he's not a super reliable guy. I don't know. Like his catch percentage, if I remember correctly, is not that high. You don't know my John Brown thing, Kevin. And you're, you're correct. His catch percentage is absurdly low, but it's because he everyone tries to hit a home run with him. He has played five seasons and he has caught a total of eighty six balls. Yeah, if you it's, add together his five seasons, he has a decent year. It's not. He just had. He has a Pro Bowl season in five seasons. He's had plenty of time to catch on on a team where they're. The guy in front of him is, is not that It's Larry Fitzgerald, and then the second... And then dudes. Has, has anybody ever been, like, real pumped about Arizona's second receiver? Like, Anquan Bolden? Yeah, like, Anquan Bolden was good, I but gotta he's... I gotta go a, back a decade. He's a slot guy, too, you know what I mean? Like, Anquan Bolden, it, it, I don't know, I'm just not... He has, like, that home run game once a season where it's like, wow, he caught three balls for 120 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, if you're looking for more than what we had from Kirsch out of Brown, you are looking in the wrong place. That actually, I think, is a good comparison, Kevin. Is that he could be, like, a, a different skill set, obviously. Kirsch is, like, a 50-50 ball specialist. This guy's going to be more of a, like, a over-the-shoulder ball specialist. demon. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. Uh, any other Seahawks news you want to touch on? Or uh, we didn't get things? a chance to talk about Ed Dixon. Oh, sure. Ed so Dixon. Dixon got three years and fourteen million for a player who's always been known as a solid pass catching threat. When he gets snaps, um, he had a couple good seasons in Baltimore and Carolina, but he's kind of always been the number two tight end option everywhere he went. Well, he's. I have a feeling he's going to be the number two tight end, tight end option here too. Yeah, I, I think, do not. I think, think we're in the age of Vanette. I do not think Ed Dixon is better than Nick Vanette. I think this is a baseline signing. Like, uh, hey, he's not really super fast. He doesn't run super good routes. He doesn't run block very well. He's an above-average pass blocker, but I'm not killing myself to get an above-average pass-blocking tight end. Like, that's not that's not a thing that I need in my life. So, basically, he's Luke Wilson with uh, a little bit less speed, but a good pass blocker. And Yeah, he's a plus blocker, as opposed to Wilson, who's just like kind of a meh blocker in both passing and... He's I okay, I would say this. Wilson's a better run blocker than than Dixon though, which so for what that's worth. Here's the thing about Dixon is is that when he I watched some Dixon tape. I went ahead and watched some Dixon tape. Uh when he goes head up when he's blocking from the line, like a like the way that you'd expect the left tackle to block, he's actually not too bad. Like I'm like, okay. But when they used him on run plays to like pull or do something interesting, he was uh he he stops. You know how like when you see a good blocker and he drives through the guy and pushes him back and makes yeah. a whole Dixon gets to his guy and then just stops running and then gets beat because that because he's not moving anymore. It's 
I don't know. It's there's something he clearly doesn't understand about what he needs not, to do. It's not my thing. I don't know. Not my guy. So he's interesting depth, and he's another one that means that we can run two tight end sets. What I kind of like about it, as a plus pass blocker, that means that if we have him in with Vanette on like a two tight end, two wide receiver set, single running back, um, then you don't know between the running back, Vanette, and Dixon, who's going to stay in to run block. Which means that you can scheme in a little bit more of a clever way. So that's nice. Sure. I um, I agree. Uh, we lost a bunch of guys. Shed's gone. Sheldon Richardson's gone. Um, a lot of There's a lot of hand-wringing in Seahawks universe, Kevin and Eric, about the direction of the team. The people feel... Uh, they feel like the it's all falling apart. That the, all the, all, everything's gone. Everything's wrong. So, Eric... Are you smashing that panic button, or is everything going to be all right? I, I think that the fans need to realize something, and Every that's that <laughs> it will be all right. Uh, there's a lot of things going on with the Seahawks, most notably all of the beloved players on the defense seem to be going away. All we have is Earl Thomas, and to be honest, there's a lot of talk about Earl Thomas maybe. Uh, you know, He's being shocked at the moment, or he was. Uh, if I were to tell you that he will be traded on draft day, you, you should not be surprised by that. But here's the thing. In order to get better, you need to restructure sometimes. And as my dear friend Kevin will point out, the window for the playoffs and the Super Bowl for the Seahawks, it isn't completely shut. It's just not wide open like it was. As long as we have Russell Wilson on this team, we're still going to be competitive. On top of that, think about what we're doing. We talked about this last week. What the Seahawks are doing right now with free agency, uh, you know, not landing that big player, we are saving money. We are amassing draft picks for next year. And to say that the Seahawks can do something big next year, that's possible. And we're not done with this year, but uh, I told Kevin this, and it's kind of a hot take, but it's kind of fun. Think of this season, and this isn't going to be a great thing to hear. Think of this upcoming season, possibly as the Tarveris Jackson years we had. It was 8-8 eight and eight that year, right? 9-7 uh, and 7 and 8-8, eight and eight, yeah. those two years. Uh, but instead of having a decent team and a really bad quarterback, we have Russell Wilson and everyone else is Tarveris Jackson. And that may be a really bad way of looking at things, but that's how I'm looking at it because my expectations are pretty low for this year. I'm thinking 8-8, eight and eight, and I'll be like, yep, that's what we're going to do. Your expectations are low, and you are your expected record is 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. How it's quickly, how quickly we, have, uh, we have grown to say that 8-8 eight and eight is lowered expectations for the Seahawks because I don't think it was that long ago that I would have looked at an eight and eight season. I remember when I was a kid, man, we were terrible every year. So eight and eight, eight and eight I'm good with eight and eight, and it's a retooling year. Like I'd be totally okay with that. We're we're still going to be competitive. I think that we'll have an outside shot at the playoffs. It will be an exciting year. It's not a a mail it in year. If uh, you have season tickets and you're like, man, I wish I didn't have these, you know, I'll, please, I'll take them. Please sell them yeah. so that someone who cares can get in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that really sums it up well. Uh, people are a little bit in sky is falling mode, and you talked about the Travis Jackson years, but I want to attach something to that, and that is in the Travis Jackson years, we didn't have a Doug Baldwin, you know, and we didn't have a Russell Wilson. We didn't have the great line blocking for Marshawn either. We had Marshawn Lynch, but our our line was I don't know was it much better than it. Than, it, than it's supposed to be now? I think it's pretty similar in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's one of those things. I could see a good coaching job from the new offensive staff and just a few tweaks being the difference. You know, you talk about 8-8, eight and eight, and I'm preparing myself for 8-8 eight and eight as well. But 10-6 and six or better would not be shocking to me just because there are parts of this team that are still very good. And, yeah, we're losing a lot of names, but, like, you know, uh, Sherman was banged up last year and the year before. Bennett's been banged up off and on. You know, we have some players that are now leaving. You know, we've played a lot without Paul Richardson. It was the exception <laughs> to play with Paul Richardson. You know, we only had Sheldon for one season. So a lot of these guys are walking away, but what we need is, you know, to draft well. And Nate's brought up the offseason philosophy, you know, we're letting some players leave, 
We're making signings that are not going to clog up our books too bad. We're making sure we get those compensatory picks. We're getting ready to turn the roster over, and we're going to do it over a couple of seasons without taking that huge step back. Yeah, they're rebuilding the culture without this, without just gutting the team of, of the key players. The, it's obvious from what they're doing that they've decided there's three players that matter the most, and that everyone else, and maybe Doug Baldwin is a fourth player, but... If, as long as we have Russell Wilson, Earl Thomas, and Bobby Wagner, the team's going to keep going, right? Yeah, that's like having you know your uh, number one starting pitcher, your uh, shortstop, and your center fielder. You know, if you if you have a team that's strong up the middle, then you can build around it, and that's true. And so we're shedding some big contracts. There's going to be money on the books. Personally, I'm glad that we didn't give Norwell 13 million dollars a year to play left guard. I, I'm glad that's not on our I'm, books. $13 million a year is not the part that staggers me. It's the guaranteed money and how long the contract is. It's five is. years, 13 a year with a lot guaranteed. It was like 35 guaranteed it's or ridiculous. something, which for an interior offensive lineman, there's a good chance after three years, he's injured. He's hurt. Like the Fluker signing, yeah, you're not getting as much, but you're also not investing as much. And I would rather, at that point, if I'm putting a bunch of capital in, I'd rather spend the 19th pick on Isaiah Wynn. I'll be honest with Dwayne Brown. I'm I like the the fact that we have him on the team, but I'm worried that you know we've invested a little more and we're probably going to get some injury. We injury are time not him. paying him that much. No, no, but we're getting compared him. to his talent like level. Oh, absolutely, he's he's very affordable. And we also only have him th- uh, two more years, I believe, if we pick up all the options and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I I like the level of investment there, but that also means now is a really good time if we're going to find the left tackle of the future. Man, that'd be a great time to put him at right tackle for a minute. Also, don't forget, we have a game in England this year. And this podcast is against games in England for the Seahawks. And if we're going to have an 8-8 season, let's just send the team to England. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, I'm, Maybe that's why I'm, actually for, I'm actually for it because it's the first time we've gone. The UK, also, good for the UK Seahawkers. UK Seahawkers haven't had They're a cool chance folks. yet. Uh, like I, fair is fair. Like They should get a shot. But like it is rough on the teams, man. That travel is brutal. Uh my thing for this is like I don't mind us if the, if we finish off the offseason and we go you know let's sign some old players we go get Dwight Freeney and we go get you know Tremont Williams and you know we just we get fucking Terrence Newman and we're just like hey pick up some of these old dudes and just fill in the gaps round out a roster and get be some com- veterans be competitive and round out the round out the holes compete. after the draft and then just have everyone come in and compete for spots and then some of the rookies will win jobs because they will want it really bad and some of the veterans will win jobs because they want like that one last run and to be honest as long as Russell Wilson still draws breath this team will be competitive he drug us to 9 and 7 last year despite all the injuries penalties Blair Walsh every, nothing could stop him from getting us to at least 9 wins and yeah like I'm no no I'm pretty I'm actually feeling pretty good about the direction of the team right now in terms of like a long-term view yes the most likely record if I sat down and thought about right now for the Seahawks right now is nine and seven if I'm like really thinking like okay what what I think we're actually going to do next year yeah nine and seven is my what I would think we're going to go but that's how bad is that really that's probably means that we were we're one or two games away from a playoff berth we were competitive in most of our games we beat the teams we were supposed to beat I don't know. I'm I'm okay with that. I can live with that. So also, we might be the bad good team this year. Not to mention, shit always happens. That good team that you thought was going to be really good really sucks. I mean, we can go back to last year and we can probably grab three teams that we were like, "What happened to that team? I thought they were supposed to be good." That's going to happen. We're going to have a yeah, we're going to have a really good cap situation coming out of out of next year. We're going to be ready to load up in 2019 if, if we can turn the culture over and get become an attractive free agent destination again which seems to have changed overnight now te- now it seems like guys don't want to sign with us as much or we're we have trouble we're having trouble drawing in that top tier of free agents i think it's right now because oakland's hot and new right so oakland's getting all these free agents because they got tons of money and it's cool to sign with oakland because they're moving to vegas spider 2 y banana and we're going to be in vegas which is so funny because they were on a, a baseball failure field. last year they play on a baseball field and how, what's the track record for coaches that have taken a significant amount of time off coming back to the game? Worked really well good. for Washington. Seriously. Oh. Yeah, Joe Gibbs was so Seriously. good. Uh, the other thing is, and this is one of those things you don't think about very often, but Washington is a non-income tax, state income tax state, which means that they get more of their earnings. So that's one of those things that, you know, as players are getting savvy about their money, that's something that... 
some of them might start thinking about when yeah. you sign those multi-million dollar deals. Nano Kong Su said, I mostly only care about the money. Well, if someone else offers him $13 million and we offer him $13 million, guess what? Our $13 million is tax-free. So that, that could that could influence him as well. Whereas if he signs in LA, they have a state income tax in California, plus cost mm-hmm. of living is high. That's a little rough. All right. So let's go let's go now over to NFL news. There's only Ooh, one Can I do a bridging the gap story? Oh, go ahead. Um, there's a little bit of story around uh, Eric Reed. Eric Reed, former strong safety for yeah. the 49ers, who uh, you know, quite well known for taking a knee and supporting uh, some of the uh, NFL protests, and he's not. The market for Eric Reed is low, despite the talent level being high. You know, he's got some injury history, but he's played well. This is a player that I could see the Seahawks possibly targeting. Okay. If they aren't going to give him very, if, but uh, if the market doesn't appear for Reed, they're saying that there might be a collusion suit between him and Kaepernick around what's going on. So that's where it's both Seahawks news and NFL news. I'll say this. Eric Reed has a better case than Kaepernick does. Kaepernick, they could have just said, like, oh, look, he team at one and seven last year with him on the field. Eric Reed is probably the – I think he's the Eric most Reed interesting – Eric Reed is a top five strong safety. He's the most yeah. interesting free agent left on the market most likely. Uh, Got to be up there, yeah. Yeah. All right. So and uh, other NFL stories. Uh, mother, I only have one. Josh Gordon is now the longest tenured Brown. Long live Josh Gordon. That's it. That's all I got. Anything else, boys? Oh uh, yeah, we have to pour one out for Joe Thomas. Yeah, but I mean, like R.I.P. That's why he's the longest tenured Brown. That's that's why uh, I had to make that joke. Uh, correction on the podcast. How long has he been there? Four and twenty years. Four and twenty years. Uh, correction on the podcast. You guys said that the 2013 draft was where we got Percy Harvin. No, gentlemen, that's where we traded way down and got uh, the next best player, Kristen Michael. No, 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 no. We trade, yeah, but we traded the first round pick to get Percy Harvin. I thought, no. Well, what we did we did get not. back from the Vikings for that pick? We then? traded down and got Kristen Michael. But we, we had that. We had that Christian. So Michael we traded pick, a first pick. round pick for a second round pick and nothing else, and more picks. Oh, that was Percy Harvin was because they got Cordell Patterson that year. I am remember we we had a whole conversation that. Yeah, that was the or no, I thought the court. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks 2013. Percy Harvin was his first year here. Very well. Um, Fine. Cordell Patterson, though, was the Vikings. Player. We gave him a first yeah. and seventh. So boom. I'm going to the Vikings podcast. See <laughs> you, did, you, did, you did have that right, though. We basically traded Cordell Pat. They got Cordell Patterson to replace Harvin, and then they picked Darius Rose. That really Rose is the same pick. player. Well, that's. I remember that year you were like, yeah. before we won the Super Bowl, You Nathan was like, let me ask you guys, would you rather have Percy Harvin or would you rather have the draft pick back? Because guess what? I'd take it, and I'd just draft Cordell Patterson like the Vikings did. Here's the thing. They did pick him at the end of that round, though, didn't? Or the beginning of that round. That's, they picked that was, him in that round. That was they picked, who they picked. Yeah, they picked yeah. him with that pick. The thing that's no, they picked Darius Rhodes with our pick. I look. I look. For real? I looked that. It was, there's a little star next to the NFL draft thing right there. No. <laughs> Cordero Patterson. The funny thing about Cordero Patterson is that um, this is one of my favorite things. He's now being referred to as a kick returner and guest wide receiver. Guest wide receiver. That's that's a really good. So little he is subtle Percy dig. Harvin. That's he he did it. We made it. Okay, so the other one, I want to set up a scenario. Well, the Vikings got the Cordero Patterson pick from New England for a second, third, fourth, and seventh round pick. New England's Ooh. the best, guys. I don't know Seriously. how they do this. How do Hoodie they do is that? evil. Okay, we, we need to do that. Can we do that trade? We yeah. need a second, third, and a fourth round pick this year. For, for a first. For a first. Yeah, they're like, the, uh, they're like the Colts now. Thanks. All right. So, nice transition there. So, that's the, the real big NFL news right now. So the Jets, in exchange for the number three pick, oh geez, they gave the Colts the number six pick, so three spots behind that. No, so to clarify, this is moving back three positions within the draft. Which now I'm like, okay, so they probably have to throw in a little something else. Go on, Kevin. Just a little something, yeah. Like a second just, rounder at least. Just the 37th overall pick. So second rounder, that seems so fair. the sixth pick of the second round. Okay. That's, that's, that's the, a high second round pick. That's yeah, a lot. It's a good pick. The 49th overall pick. What? Wait, oh. another second rounder? Middle of the second round. Oh, that's that's a generous trade. Okay, that's, then. That, that's just yeah. that's enough, right and there. And they threw in a they they threw in a 2019 pick. Uh, 
What? Uh, yeah, 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 just a 2019, uh, 2019 pick. What what pick would you think that would be? Oh, I know what pick it's it is. A, a, I know, but what pick would you think that would is be? Is it a third rounder? I would say a fifth rounder. Uh, that would be the second round pick no. of the Jets. How could they? Which I think we know means a top 10 pick in the second round. Hey, Eric. Year. Hey, Eric. What, what is it? It's J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. There you go. Uh, you it. know, the Colts said it best on their Twitter when they just tweeted the deal and they said, pleasure doing business with you. That's a fact. Oh, I swear. Like my on. favorite thing is when Schefter retweeted. Like after they tweeted it, Schefter tweeted like breaking Jets trade this and this and this, and they just added him and they said, "Hey, you can just retweet us." <laughs> yes, <laughs> so good. That is so very good. Who's your source? This is my favorite part because this trade has been done. Teams have moved up in the top five like this. And the price is not that high. Not to mention the Jets just did this trade. That just guarantees them one of the three quarterbacks they like the most. I was going to say this is not great. The thing, uh, they took two steps forward and 17 steps the, back. The problem for me with the Jets is, is they don't even know which quarterback they're getting. Like It's it's one thing if they're like sure that their guy made it to three. That means but they, they have to say they, have, they like three guys equally. If they're super, Let's say they're super into Darnold and Rosen. Okay. There's a solid chance that Rosen goes first, Darnold goes second, and they're left holding the bag, having to pick Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, who maybe they don't like as much. I like Baker Mayfield. I like him a lot. But maybe they don't. And so then they're stuck taking one of those guys. That so maybe they, they pick Josh Allen, and so now they, they they went from Hackenberg to better Hackenberg. Yeah, That's not a good situation. No. It, they, this, there are, Hackenbetter I, is not where anyone wants to be. Now, if they are if they are of mind like I am, where they think there are three franchise quarterbacks in this draft that are almost, you know, as much as a sure thing you to make it. You have a 1A, 1B, and 1C. Do you really C. think that? Yes. I think, okay. I think Mayfield, Rosen, and Darnold. I'll have a very, very good chance to be incredibly successful at the NFL level. You know, barring all the bad things that can happen to a quarterback, injuries, bad coaching, et cetera, et cetera. But they, they have all the physical tools I'd look for. They have all the mental things I'm looking for. They look good on tape. Uh, they're they're good football players. They're All three of them are, are going to have solid careers, in my opinion. So maybe they just think like that, and they're like, we'll just get whichever one's left over. But come on, get whichever one's left over is such a loser mentality, right? Like, oh, uh, we'll just get whatever. Well, whatever. They're all the same. No, try to trade up to one and get your guy. Like, I was going to say. If you offer that same package for one, I bet you the Browns are sitting there like, mm, I might, yeah, I'm going to go for that. Like, just go go to one. Don't go to three. What's wrong with you? It's, oh, it's that means that they called around, and one and two were like, nah, I'm good, dog. What's a, Which means they're getting the guy that those other teams don't like as much. Yeah, you're officially getting their leavings. To be fair, the Browns are probably going to mess this up. I think the Browns are going with Darnold. Okay. I would I would be I would be surprised if they I, didn't at this I point. I think they're going with Rosen. I don't. I love Josh Rosen. He's what my favorite they, of the three. What with what's uh, I think Baker Mayfield a lot too, though. I think you can make an argument. I, I think you can make the exact same argument between Darnold and Rosen. Um, I'm fine with it either way. I think I understand why Mayfield is not as well received as the two because he's not as prototypical but i really like what mayfield brings to the and table who's a number lot. two who's drafting second overall gigantes yeah the giants gonna get like uh barkley here's the wild card if the giants just decide to go like oh we're, we have we have eli manning so we're just gonna draft someone else like we're just gonna go out because we are eli manning and davis webb is the future it seems like that's that's a bad plan that's the betting strategy on the that the Jets have right now. That has to be it. Because or the Giants refuse to trade them. Well, it is a New York and team. And then that's the Jets going, okay, we have three guys. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting. So let's say that happens, right? So let's say you're the Giants and you pick uh, you pick Barkley. You're going, okay, we're going to put that weapon there. We're going to set up the team. Okay, cool. So now Jets take a quarterback at three. Who's on the board at four? That would be your Cleveland Browns. Who've already taken a quarterback. Who've already taken a quarterback. (laughs) That means the Browns get to trade back and recoup even more picks because somebody's going to trade up to get the quarterback there. Here, here's my thing. The top three picks are going to be quarterbacks. It's it's going to happen. It's got to happen unless the Giants go somewhere else. And then that's three of the top four, Will, because Cleveland's going to trade out because someone's going to offer them the moon. Because they want Allen or Bayfield. Man, I right. don't know. I what I expect is this: the Bills are going to trade the farm to get Josh Allen. That's my prediction. 
And if it comes true, Bills fans, get ready for 10 more years of misery because that is a terrible trade. Bills fans are Bills are going to trade for the number four pick out of Cleveland and take Josh Allen. You ready for my big prediction here, Kevin, is that the Bills trade in to the end of the top four to pick Allen or whatever, and the Giants trade out. They trade out to like 10, and they still get Baker Mayfield. Because because like after the after like the first couple teams, there's like a gap there of teams that don't really need quarterbacks. Yeah, and because you have uh, the Colts, the Buccaneers, um, even De- uh, Denver. It's fifty fifty if they're going to go after a quarterback. San Francisco, San Francisco not who has Jimmy Jesus. I mean, you can say you could, like these all teams all just don't need quarterbacks. Like the the Broncos, the Colts, the Buccaneers, the Bears. They're not picking quarterbacks. I don't know, man. Broncos Broncos do. I think the Broncos are going to... I think the Broncos like Case Keenum. Did you guys know Case Keenum, like, his favorite player when he was a kid was was John Elway? It's kind of cool that he ended up on the Broncos. Eh, I think... I can see the Broncos that's picking a up a guy. story. I think they're going to pick up, like, I like that like kind a, of stuff. It's I think cheesy. they're going to pick up, like, Latulele or something like that in the second or third round. It's going to be a situation of that nature. You don't I, think quarterback master John Elway isn't going to try and get the future? There's no really way well with Paxton Lynch. He does not love Case Keenum that much. No way. Okay, so here's... My scenario that I wanted to play out that's really interesting, especially as a Seahawks fan. What do you put the odds? At this point, I think there's six quarterbacks in the first round. Oh, no Because you know when there starts being a run? Yeah. Because is... here's the thing. Tell me which one of these is not a lock for the first round. Uh, Darnold. Yeah. Rosen. Yep. Allen. Yep. Mayfield. They're they're in. Okay. And Lamar Jackson's Lamar got a Jackson, pretty good shot. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph's not getting it. Somebody's going to not get their guy and go, oh, I got a good quarterback. It all depends on what's and there, though. jump up and grab Mason Rudolph. Now, I think Mason Rudolph is like a deadlock to get to the Broncos in the second round. He's I don't the know. the second best running back, Kevin, in the draft. Uh, according to what? Just get experts. Um, LS- I think it's probably going to end up being uh, Geis. Yeah, guys. Okay, yeah. Um, one of the Georgia guys or... Uh, Let's just say it's Geis. Or uh, carry on. Who, I mean, someone's, he's going to go before that that mystery sixth quarterback. I don't know. I don't know, dude. Really? Darius Geis is going to go in the beginning of the second round. and I don't know, man. He's and then like and then after that 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 There's that will run. that will signal the run and then there'll be like three running backs picked really fast. It will be both Georgia guys and and Karen Rashad Johnson and Karen Johnson and Rashad Penny. Like one of those guys is going to go. Those guys are or all gonna those go guys. And they're really all they're all pretty similar guys. Yeah. So. I would have thought Penny would go before before Johnson, but yeah, they're all gonna just fly off the board. Carry on, Johnson plays that SEC foosball. Oh Jesus! Those people love that SEC foosball. What about Ronald Jones the second, Kevin? Uh, Ronald Jones the second screwed himself when he got hurt. Not my guy, but man, if he he uh, he's gonna go later than he should. Somebody yeah. might get a steal. He could if be he, the steal of the draft in like the third round. If the Seahawks trade down a whole bunch. I really want us to pick him. Like if we trade down a whole bunch and just like get him at the top of the third round or something with like all the picks we picked up. His measurables don't fit what we normally do with a running back, but he would make me excited. Yeah, he's real real good. As we start getting closer to the draft, I have a lot of really interesting measurable stuff I've been doing as far as the types of guys the Seahawks pick. Sweet. Um, we're gonna go through that probably sometime in April. Um, but for right now, suffice to say, there's a uh, the Seahawks draft board's a little limited because we have some really particular measurables we like. And then there's a bunch of other stuff like Crabtree went to the Ravens, Matthew went to the Texans, uh, Jordy Nelson's on the Raiders, uh, Danny Woodhead retired. He never got a penalty his whole career. Big ups to you, Danny Woodhead. Uh, you're the you're the uh, bizarro Jermaine Effetti. I feel like it's sad. That, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's sad he retired, but I mean he's guy, really good still. I don't understand why he retired, but you know what? Good for him. He, he plays six hurt. plays a year. Uh, the Lions got Lager- okay. The Lions got Legarrette Blunt for four and a half million for one year. Why can't we have Legarrette Blunt for four and a half million? For uh, one year? Excuse me. Did you see what the Patriots got? The player I wanted. Yeah, Jeremy Hill was like one year, three million, three and a half million. One year, no, one and a half oh million. My oh my gosh. Oh, it makes me so upset. Oh, there was, there's incentives. I forgot. What are we These doing? These incentives contracts always like mess with me because I'm like, you can, I I don't understand it. You, as a coach, you could rig it so they don't hit the, hit the incentives. So yep. like, you could just be like, like Jeremy Hill has an incentive in his contract. I don't know what it is. It's probably carries based, but it says incentives can bring it up by up to two million. But he's splitting it with nine running backs, right? So, so you, so you could just be like, oh, game game flow decided you weren't going to get this many carries the day, and then by the end of the season, he doesn't get all of his incentives. It seems sketchy to me. I don't know. I don't like incentives based contracts. Nah, ask Richard Sherman. It's really smart. 
Hey, Richard, <laughs> Richard in the article, he admitted, like, he's like, it's good for me if I'm an all-pro, and it's good for San Francisco if I'm not. So he basically admitted, like, this contract sucks for me if I'm not an all-pro. So good for him, I guess. I agree, though. Like, the running back market has been cheap, and we have been out on it. Carlos Hyde, three, three years, $15 million? Like, I'm into that. Give me that contract. I like, love Carlos Hyde. Uh, How much guaranteed money is on that? Uh, I don't know, but it's only $6 million. It's $6 million, but it's like in year 15, one. Though. It's like... What was the total contract? Fifteen, I think it was six. It was like I was, yeah, I was about to say it's like somewhere like six or eight. Which I think they can get out of it after year one. Like they or there's like a year one out where they only have to pay like two million dollars. I think it's so ridiculous. All right. Anyway, we're just gonna go to war with Chris Carson, CJ Procise, and JD McKissick. Who are the running backs left? In free agency? Yeah. Give me uh, give me ten seconds. Just talk about a running back you like from the draft. So like I know there's like Frank Gore and stuff that's available. Um but you know, I don't think anyone's getting super excited about that signing. Uh, so I'll, I'll put myself in that. I would love it if we went ahead and signed Frank Gore for a if man- Frank Gore comes in manageable on cheap, veteran like minimum two million. Contract. I'm not going to be sad about that because that's exactly what I just said about DJ Fluker. Hey, do you want to guarantee 3.5 yards per carry? Demarco Murray. Yeah. No, I'm out. He's going to get more than he should. Shane Vereen. Uh, I'd fine. rather Ben Vereen. Adrian Peterson. No. No. Jamal Charles. Uh, no, my boy Damian Williams still available. That's fine. Alfred Morris, I like Alfred Morris. Alfred yeah. Morris is again; he sets the minimum. If I actually, we, think, you know, if we get Alfred Morris, I'm okay with us missing out on every other running back. Uh, see, I want to get. I wouldn't mind a, with one of those kinds of guys, just because you know everyone, everything everyone wants to say about uh, Orleans Darkwa. Mike Davis. I, I wouldn't mind Orleans Darkwa. That's a fine player. Like these are all guys that are going to be like, okay, you're going to get three and a half, four yards per carry. That's fine with me. Alfred Morris's career stats are like staggeringly good when you look at them. You like think like he is so consistent. You he just he's has like no boring. Pass but then like last year he had four point eight yards of carry. How is he as a pass blocker? Because he's not a pass catcher. That's I mean, for sure. He's only had seven pass catches last year. He was not great. Um, I have no idea how he was a pass blocker. But he, but I mean last year five hundred forty seven yards, four point eight yards of carry. Like this is these are decent stats for a rotation running back. Like this is a guy you just throw in and yeah he's gonna get four yards of carry like. Go Alfred Morris, Florida Atlantic, baby. Woo! Dude, Alfred Morris brings your floor up. That's not a bad thing. Um, if we sign Alfred Morris and then draft a dude, yeah, I'd be totally, I'd be totally into that. That's a perfectly functional running core. Um, so I'm trying to look up the uh, Pro Football Focus stats right now for uh, pass blocking efficiency for running backs. Just give me a few seconds. So uh, uh, to vamp on that, I think that this is a year where there is some really interesting running back talent that would be available in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round. Um, we'll get to that when it's time to dive into the draft. God, but Tennessee stole Deion Lewis. I totally forgot about that. Yep. He had the highest elusive rating of any he's running also, back last year. Yeah, he's also, super disappointing. Uh, he gets injured a lot. Just, he's also made out of gravel. Just, uh, you know, yeah, but he, let it go a little bit. Obviously, we're going to put him in a rotation, you know. like, You know, I really can't wait for Tennessee to completely misuse him as only a third down pass catching back and not take advantage of his elusiveness between the tackles. That's going to be really cool. I wonder. They'll they'll, they'll start him hot. And They're assembling lose, some really good talent way. for the next coaching staff. <laughs> okay, here we go. Control F, Dallas. Uh, Rod Smith. Rod Smith pass blocked on 153 plays and never gave up a pressure, but that's not a thing that I'm caring about right now. Looks like they didn't ever play him in this situation. He only had nine times he pass blocked. I think that probably tells us how he is as a pass blocker. So it would mean we'd need a third down back. Yep. <laughs> uh, he, we can't use him on third down very much. All right. Uh, any other NFL news you guys want to ch- chop it up about? We got about two minutes left oh, before man. we got to get to the money zone. No, I think we can hit the money zone and spend a little extra time on this movie. Is there a worse contract than the than the contract that Jacksonville gave to Dante Moncrief? Uh, yeah, it's the contract that Baltimore was going to give Ryan Grant. They had to cut Alan Hearns to do that contract. They're basically saying Moncrief's better than Alan Hearns. For one year. That's they not are, true. They are definitely the same receiver. That's not true. They gave him more. It's dumb. They are definitely the same it's, receiver, it's dumb, Kevin. Dude, but you can't. I can't wait to do, for the for like the fourth year in a row that Dante Moncrief is breaking out. Kevin, can't you wait for him to be breaking out again? To do business, oh does it does it cost more to sign a new customer or to keep an existing customer? 
It is keep an existing customer. Alan Hearns already knows your playbook. Hearns is better. <laughs> this is paper 101, Kevin. Dude, dude, Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns, and Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief, how is that not better than Alan Robinson, Robinson and Alan Hearns? Dude, if Alan Hearns goes to Chicago, I like Chicago's oh, offense. that would be like, I'm really just, good. I'm just super into whatever Chicago's doing. I'm a big fan of Kevin White, if he happens to be healthy, is the only thing with him. Like, that's really nice. All he has to do is be on the field. Like, they have enough good wide receivers, but they have Meredith. He's, like, the fourth best wide receiver on that team. Uh, Meredith's a free agent. I no, they resigned him. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. Uh, does Meredith play in the slot? Uh, I can't remember. I'm I don't know their sure, offense that but well. But Meredith is good. I know that. Yeah. I also like the Burton signing because now you have Burton and Shaheen to uh, do two running back sets because they have um, Jordan Howard, who's a really good power back. So now you can do two tight end sets Jordan to do Howard power is- running. Jordan Howard is so freaking good, and he catches the ball really well too. Like everyone last year got really into Tariq Cohen, they were like, "Oh, Tariq Cohen, like this is the this is the guy, right? Like Tariq Cohen is is really good. Get rid of Jordan Howard." I was like, "I'm gonna ride Jordan Howard out on fantasy. I want him on every single one of my teams." And like he was so good. I was super, Jordan Howard was awesome. Like Jordan Howard has a specific skill set, and he's really good at it. Yeah, he he's like really sure-handed and like really consistent. He's not crazy fast, like. The, Whatever he he'll hit you a lot of doubles. Yeah, what, um, it's weird because uh, I know a lot of people in the stats community are down on his efficiency numbers, but I he just, was the whole offense two years ago. Like, give him a break. Like, they had literally no one two years ago to to help him out, and he averaged five point two yards a carry. Like, I'll just yeah. say it: the Pro Football Focus guys on their podcast are really down on his efficiency and try and trash him. And I just, I'm sorry, watching film, looking at stats. I am not seeing what he what they're seeing. Yeah, well, his nickname's the Bulldozer. That's all you need to know. Let's go to the money zone. Uh, f- uh, you can support us in many ways here at the Seahawks Nest Podcast. The first ways; these are the free ways. Free, like, like, but like, unlike I five, these free ways move. Uh, I'm just gonna keep with the bad <laughs> jokes, I'm trying to get you guys to to really wince, uh, trying to make it. you cringe. So, first. You can head over to Facebook.com, Facebook.com slash The Seahawks Nest. Throw us a like. You can head over to Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. Give us a follow. Or, even better, you can go on to whatever you find your podcasts on and give us five stars. Whether that's the Google Play Store or uh, SoundCloud or Stitcher. I use Stitcher Podcast Republic on or, Android because it's free. I, iTunes um, or whatever. Whatever you I find. Believe that, I believe that's uh, Apple something now. There's no iTunes. Okay, whatever. Um, so, whatever you find your podcast on, just put click five stars um looking at our itunes page right now i can see that many of you have done this already so thank you for doing this we really appreciate Love it you, fam. uh you guys even made fun of us for the movie segment at the end of the podcast which Naturally. we put at the end on purpose so that you don't have to listen to it if you don't like it uh, also if you have money and you just don't like it you'd want us to have it instead <laughs> you would like to continue for me to have access to such statistical services as uh pro football focus and all of us to have access to NFL Game Rewind and other things we use to watch film and stuff, head over to patreon.com slash seahawksnest and hit us up. We also, during the regular season, we put up our picks every week. We talk about betting. It's mostly a betting podcast, if I'm being honest. It's straight. It's, money, it's some fun analysis it's money with line, betting involved. It's money line picks, and then I also just talk about bets a lot. And then... Uh, yeah, and then also we send you some some gear sometimes, and we uh, also throw up some videos. And Kevin puts his draft stuff on there. After the players get drafted, it goes on to the Patreon. Yep. So once the draft rolls around, it's actually okay. If you're not, you get, you get a little more bucks about if it. If right now you're not signed up, I'm okay. It's is this is kind of the season to not be signed up. But, but like if you, end of April into May, end of April when we once we draft these players, and you want to know what they're all about, get signed up so that Kevin can tell you all about them. Um, yeah, that's it. So my movie zone this week, um, Bleecker Street in their p- continuing partnership with Steven Soderbergh is releasing a movie into theaters that looks effing weird, and it's called Unsane. Which we're is not, a really dumb title. We're not going to talk about Unsane, though. Okay? It's a micro-budget movie by Steven Soderbergh, but it's the second movie Bleecker Street has made with Soderbergh in this, like, I think they have a three or five film agreement where he gets to kind of run the show. The first movie that came out of this agreement was Logan Lucky. So we're going to talk about a movie that you can watch right now on Amazon for free. 
Uh, if you're a Prime user, you can head into your Amazon Prime account and go ahead and watch Logan Lucky. It's part of your Prime streaming service. Wait, are we spoiling or are we selling? We are spoiling because uh, if you don't want it to be spoiled, not watch this. Just go watch Pause it. now and go watch this because movie. It's true. Is fucking great. There's really no way to review go, this without spoiling. Go ahead and watch it right now. Um, we uh, we're gonna spoil it from this point forward. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to watch it, it's on Amazon. If you don't want to watch it and you just want to hear about some idiots talk about it now's your chance here we go so logan lucky stars channing tatum uh kylo ren and james bond <laughs> that's exactly who it starts <laughs> exactly so, so uh gi joe kylo ren james bond james so bond. they um they they are stars of this movie they it's basically a heist movie it's a it's a hillbilly heist movie so uh, uh, I believe uh, Ocean Seven Eleven is the tagline that they use. That's a good tagline for Channing this. Channing Tatum and Adam Brody or Adam, Adam Driver, Driver, sorry, play brothers. Clyde and Jimmy Logan. They are um, they. Well, let's just say this: Jimmy's kind of down on his luck. He uh, gets fired from his construction job. He he was the star quarterback, the star quarterback until he blew out his knee and yeah, lost his scholarship. This is Channing Tatum in a nice, he has, overweight role. He has divorced Katie Holmes. They have a kid together. The guy she has remarried with is the worst douche. Um, so then, uh, Roy from The Office. If you're wondering who that uh, actor was, uh, so then Adam Adam Driver. He was a uh, veteran. His arm got blown off. He has one arm. Uh, they're they're down on their luck. Things aren't going good. They have a sister. No, excuse me. Not one arm. He still has have, it down past still, the elbow. Still got the arm. He still has the arm. He's missing a hand. Okay. I don't know if you set up that joke on purpose, I, but that's a great running gag. I did. Uh, <laughs> so then their sister is played by Riley Keough, um, Melly, and they decide they're going to do... Uh, she plays the Daisy Duke in this, and she plays it really well. Yeah, and she's, she's like, actually fine. She's, she, um... She's hyper competent in a world of incompetence. Right, and she, she's the, she's a hairdresser in the movie. Yes. Uh, then, so they, they all decide they're gonna, they're gonna steal from the track. Atlanta and they, Motor Speedway. And their, their plan yeah, is to Atlanta steal on like a, a down day. They're gonna, they're gonna go in there when there's like a graduation, I think. It's a car show. It's okay. the, it's sure. the biggest car show that they do. There's gonna be tens of thousands of dollars of but business. things get messed up. They have to push their schedule forward, and instead of doing the heist on that day, they have to do it on the day of the the number one race of the whole one season. One week earlier. Atlanta Motor Speedway NASCAR race. Yeah, so uh, there's a bunch of good stuff in here. Like uh, Sebastian Stan plays like a like a NASCAR driver, and he's he's like... The owner? Yeah. No, no, he's the driver. Oh, yeah, the, the owner driver. is Seth MacFarlane, and yes. Seth MacFarlane owns the car, and he like he's like this he energy plays a drink total guy. Total. Both of these guys, when they show up, I didn't know they were in the movie, so when they show up, you're like, oh, hey, that's Seth MacFarlane. Oh, hey, that's uh, Sebastian Stan. It's it's kind of like low key how they they fit yeah. these guys in there. And then they, they so anyway they're they're in the movie like as like a driver and a and an owner that kind of get pulled into it a little bit. Like it's they, a secondary plot line like too. A, there's a like a they're like a B plot. And then the biggest other person in the movie, James Bond, Daniel Craig, plays Joe Bang, uh, a very <laughs> so hilarious good. Southern man who they have to break out of prison to help them with the heist. And uh, that that. That stuff is really good. It's really good. Every scene with Daniel Craig in it is excellent. What about Dwight Yoakam as the warden? That was uh, so good. Oh. Dwight Yoakam, such a treasure in the acting. We uh, don't so, we don't have riots at this penitentiary. We don't have sewage problems. What about when we he's, don't have fires? What about that part when when they're doing the they're they're doing the negotiations? So the prisoners like to get Joe Bang out of prison. They they stage like a riot. So they get him out. Joe Bang's out of prison, and then they're gonna sneak him back in. But when the heist is done, so then he can so do the rest of his bid. elaborate plan to do it. So, so anyway, they 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 have this prison riot, and the prisoners are negotiating with Dwight Yoakam. This is my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. They're negotiating with Dwight Yoakam, Yoakam to get things. These are things they want, and so they ask Dwight Yoakam. They ask him for uh, Winds of Winter, the next Game of Thrones book, yeah. and, and they he says. I can get you. I can get you this. I can get you that. But I can't get you the winds of winter. And he's like, the guy's like, what? Dance of Dragons came out in two thousand six. What do you mean you can't get me the winds of winter? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, it says here on Wikipedia that the winds of winter has not been released as of yet. And then the guy's like, that's bullshit, man. Those guys told me from the other. He like says some detail from Game of Thrones, and he's like, I have reason to believe they were getting that from an HBO television miniseries and the guy just goes oh that's bullshit <laughs> that's they a really like, good one apparently George R. R. Martin got caught up in touring and he has not had time to finish the book <laughs> it, yeah 
That's an exceptional yeah. set and of the, exchanges. Or when the fire, the fire, the, well, that's like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is this prison ride. When the firemen come in and they there's a, they have like a tr- uh, fire in a trash can. And it's like like one of those little like knee-high trash cans. And they just walk in with a fire extinguisher and they look at all the prisoners and they spray it out and they run back out. <laughs> it's just so good. There's so many like, it's, every scene just has like a little funny like that. It's charming. I, like, I thought the movie was really charming. The whole movie, yeah, the movie, okay. So I went into it going, all right, this movie's going to be like between a six and a seven, but it's a heist movie, so it'll be like between a seven and an eight for me. And you go through the whole movie and you're like, this movie's pretty funny. Um, Tatum and Driver have genuine chemistry. Um, uh, Melly is really good. She's a good glue character for the movie. Katie Holmes is the right amount of uh, like trashy and frustrating. The kid's adorable. Like, the casting in this is spot on. Daniel Craig is excellent. Daniel Craig's two incompetent brothers are excellent. And so you go through, and it's everything you expect it to be. And I'm like, yeah, this is a really solid seven. And they pull off the heist, and things kind of start to look like they're not going to go well. But then, like, in the end, they pull it off and everything. And then Channing Tatum's character has a change of heart. Yeah, they do this. They do this like thing where he like f- fate gives the money back. I there's I like that. I like movies with like a twist. And I thought it was a good twist. Like this has a great twist. And the and the um what is the, the I like that meeting they have with like the 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 FBI agent and the track owner and it's Hillary Swank is the FBI agent and again another really actor good. that just she shows like, up. I don't know. He's like he's like we're all we're all square and she's like what and he's like yeah we're done we're all square <laughs> and she's like but the, the how do you know and he's like. We're, we're just good. Yep. <laughs> it's like like they're like they're just not going to deal with it anymore. <laughs> You've had your what was it? You've had your two weeks, and that's it. So I, uh, and then what you get is you get two of my favorite things that happen in a heist movie. Thing number one is you get you get the part where you get the unreliable narrator. So they convince you that Channing Tatum had a change of heart and turned over the money. Well, he turned over some of the money to be found that part was found they waited for everything to cool to like cool down and then when they came back and like the way that he like slow played everyone back into getting the money together and got everyone to the bar and then they did my favorite thing a good heist movie does it's a series where they go back and play you through scene by scene and show you how all the easter eggs they set up worked yeah and it all works there's a there's like a it's like a slow reveal where like you know, they show each character kind of finding their share of the money. And uh, they- and then they show how Channing Tatum and Adam Driver, um, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the movie when they do the, they'll all need to know what we want them to know. Yeah. And it shows how, like, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver are pulling the strings every step of the way. And let's talk, let me talk about Adam Driver for a minute because I kind of want to gush a little bit. I think Adam Driver is, is a really, really, really good actor. Um, he's an he's an actual veteran, so like it's kind of cool to see him get to play a role where he plays a veteran. Yeah, like I think that's that's awesome. Uh, and I I want him to the more things that he gets to do, the the better in my opinion. Like I'm totally into it. Like I I really really like him. He's and he's really good in this movie. Uh, well, and he, he played really Kylo Ren, which is a huge role. At no point during this movie was I like, hey, that's Kylo Ren. Yeah, and I joked that it was Kylo Ren, but that was about all you can get out of it because he's he's nothing like it. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say about this movie. It's fun. Like I highly recommend it. The the they wrapped it up nicely at the end. Eric, what, any other final thoughts? No, man, you guys covered it all. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, uh, it was a good movie. It was uh, like I said, it had hard. What I about really... that beginning scene where they where they like uh, where where they fight against Seth MacFarlane in the bar? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird how they put. You mentioned that they had to break uh, James Bond out of jail, uh, Joe Bang, but they also had to break Adam Driver out of jail. Yeah. Uh, oh remember, yeah. He was he was in jail uh, unplanned for uh, lighting that douche's car on no, fire. No, 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 no. He goes to jail on. Oh, I'm purpose. sorry. Yeah, it was. Yeah. He, drives, he drives through the he drives through the in front of that mini mart. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. So they can break out of prison together. Yeah. The part where he's like trying to convince the nurse to keep more. My tummy's upset. <laughs> what about when he when he's they're like uh, I thought you were gonna build a bomb and he's like oh, I don't want you to call it a bomb. It's an explosive device. And first of all, and he starts telling telling the story of like you got y'all are expecting dynamite. But what I'm doing is I'm putting 
sulfate, and then all of a sudden it just shows and him writing the iodine. Yeah, he starts scribbling the formula on the concrete, and he's like, "Now, as you can see here, when you have this and this, it will get a pop, and that's all you need. You do not need a big boom." You just need something to ignite it. Oh, I see. I twisted the bag oh, one too many times. I twisted the bag. <laughs> yeah, he has like the what does he have in there? Gummy bears, gummy worms. It's, it's gummy worms, a plastic bag, and the the fake salt, the salt substitute because his blood sugar or his blood yeah. pressure is too high. That's another one of the things when they introduce the Joe Bain character and he goes in there and they're talking to him. He's like, "Either you guys have any quarters? Take your quarters over there. Does it have to be quarters? Can be yes, it has to be quarters." Go over there. was like G73 on the machine. And he brings back the hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> There's just all these like little unnecessary gags that make the whole movie feel very fleshed out. I, mean, it has I a... also like that he firebombed the guy's SUV. That was good. Yeah, that part of the movie just the throws total a top cocktail at the <laughs> SUV. Um, it's got slower pacing. It's not as fast-paced as like Ocean's Eleven or but it's not empty in other heist, heist movies. It's, it's, um, it's a completely different heist film. And let's face it, after Ocean's Eleven and Soderbergh being involved in that franchise, you have if you're going to have Soderbergh do another heist movie, how do you make it dissimilar? The ca- and I thought he pulled it off. The cast is hamming it up a little bit, too. Like, yeah. In a way that I find to be fun. Um, and everyone's uh, accent worked. Didn't bother me. Maybe Seth MacFarlane's Australian accent, but... <laughs> Everything was great. I mean, really, uh, Daniel Craig is Joe Bang. I yeah, I thought it was great. Just so you know, that character's supposed to be British, which I think just says it all about that accent. Yes, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was bad. Um, so entertaining. Though. What about the What about the Sebastian Stan character though? Like the healthy eating and stuff. That sh- that, that stuff was, was so really funny. funny. And he has what he's, he has like a little bit of sugar. I also like how he's like uh, how he refuses to back the owner's story, Seth MacFarlane's story, because he's just like knows that he wants to screw with him. It's like that guy's a dick. I'm not going to back anything he says. <laughs> All right. Well, that's I that's where I hit the hour mark. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, go watch Logan Lucky. Tell us what you think for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck. I'm Nathan Seno, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>